There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plushcare. Plushcare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Opal, Drogheda to Dorkin Cavan. Discover the all-new Opal Mocha, featuring Opal's iconic new signature visor, stunning Opal Pure Panel, and a choice of petrol, diesel, or fully electric. The new Opal Mocha is less normal, more Mocha. Visit blackstonemotors.ie. Very welcome to a brand new week of Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Great to have you with us on the show this afternoon. Hope you had a nice weekend. And I'm always saying it, aren't I, at the beginning of the week? The weather is getting better. And it's going to get better as the week goes on, I promise you. It certainly is this time. Summer is on the way at last. But it's great to uh, be with us this afternoon on Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Packed lineup over the next couple of hours. Let's get straight to business today. You may have seen it already because it's flying in the cinemas. Yes, what am I talking about? The new movie about Elvis, directed by Baz Luhrmann, starring Austin Butler, brilliant as Elvis, and the wonderful Tom Hanks as Colonel uh, Parker in the movie and more besides. The movie is flying, but when I tell you today, there is an Irishman who wrote a book some years ago about Elvis Presley called Elvis and Ireland, and recently he attended a private screening of the movie at the Omniplex Cinema Complex in Drogheda, and I tell you this, the audience will vouch for this, he stole the show, and he's with me today on Late Lunch. I'm delighted to welcome Ivor Casey to the show. Hello, Ivor. Hi, Jerry. How are you? I'm really good. Thanks for coming in to us this afternoon. Thank you. Tell us about you and Elvis and your your, your connection with him. Uh, well, when I'm back in the 20th anniversary of Elvis' death in 1997, I was 13 at the time. There was loads of uh, television shows about Elvis all day long. It just felt like it was Christmas time you know, because there was this uh, atmosphere of Elvis all over. And uh, I was drawn into his charisma. I started watching his shows, all the, the concerts, Aloha from Hawaii, the movies about him, his own movies even were great fun because they're very much geared at a younger audience. And uh, I, was, I was captivated by him. I thought he was fantastic. Um, and then some years later, I, I was going for the leaving cert. I didn't have a clue what I wanted to do at the time. Uh, but I loved writing and I loved Elvis. So I thought I'll just write a book about him came up with an original angle which was to draw on all his uh, influences here uh, on how rock began and how rock began in Ireland and uh, how was the reaction to Elvis in Ireland because I had discovered before that in America he was very very controversial Mm. so I was wondering what what was going on here in Ireland 
was he controversial here and I uh, came up with some interesting conclusions so that and uh, to say the least was he controversial here because you can only imagine when he came on the scene conservative Catholic Ireland where you know things were controlled by the church and the state really uh, very very strongly indeed and this fella comes on the scene gyrating his hips with this new type of music he was condemned from uh, the dial and the pulpit wasn't he that's correct yeah yeah we had priests all over the country all running him down like this is the agent um, of, of Satan and uh, the devil's music yes and um, just uh, then the doll that was the, the, the very interesting part of what I found was that he uh um, in 1959, there was a couple of politicians who uh, f- felt Elvis's music was like you know very controversial, but it was generating great revenue for overseas channels like Radio Luxembourg. And because of that, then um, they discussed whether he should be played on Radio Wear, and because there was a debate over, you know, uh, Elvis music, this this devil's music should not be on our airwaves. So um, they they realised that God, there was a big big lot of money coming into Radio Luxembourg. So. Eventually, over a couple of courses of dull debates, Elvis's music trickled into the country on our own uh, airwaves. So, both from pulpit and politically, the man was a no-go at that stage. Was his music banned in RT at that time? Um, well, uh, yeah, it was It was kind of unofficially banned. Mm. Um, uh, what was happening was that... Um, he, he, When you had the, the, the priest saying something, they... Just gave into it, you know. Yes. But what was strictly banned were um, our censored were the movies. Elvis's movies were um, heavily censored based on Catholic moral thinking. And the censor at the time was a man called Liam O'Hora. And uh, he, one of the movies ended up being banned, which was King Creole. They wanted um, about seven or eight cuts to the movie. And... The studio wouldn't give those cuts, yes. and therefore uh, the movie ended up being banned in Ireland. Can you imagine King Creole <laughs> by today's standards? I, yeah. I'm just thinking here: what were we like when you think back to those times? Oh, An Elvis movie and not allowed, yeah. but it was that—that that was the way of the world at the time mm. in, in this country for sure. How did he? Did he ever come to Ireland? Did Elvis play Ireland? No, he never played in Ireland. He never played outside of America, other than a few shows in Canada, and then he did a two-year stint in Germany when he had to go to the army. Army. Mm. But uh, the closest he got to Ireland was flying over the Donegal Hills when he was on his way back to the States. So, um, And yet he reached and his reach had huge influence here. Uh, oh, huge, enormous, because you began with the show bands, uh, the show bands in the 50s. You had Brendan Boyer, of course, probably the most famous of them, all imitating Elvis's style and trying to bring Elvis to a wider audience on the, uh, through their live shows. Um, far more tame now were the show bands than Elvis, because Elvis was very, very raunchy sexual kind of performances mm. which you know led to um, led to like a huge criticism and condemnation not the kind of same now the show bands would have got yes. but it was a way of trickling Elvis into the country on a on some level which was great and then you um, out of that then came Rory Gallagher and more raunchy performance than Phil Linnett for Tin Lizzy and all those guys were hugely influenced by Elvis and and they've told you this you've you've written oh, about this extensively yeah. oh, they, yeah. they confirmed that his influence on them was immense oh, Absolutely, yeah. I see. Uh, well, of course, sadly, we don't have Rory or, or yes. Phil with, with us mm. anymore, but um, there's plenty of re- 
research and plenty of interviews from documentation yes. where they have referred to Elvis as one of their major yes. uh, influences. Yeah. And uh, Bono, uh, of course, yeah. is another man who'll, who'll credit oh, him with. huge, yeah. Bono's a massive Elvis fan. Mm. Um, he, um, the Zootopia uh, album, um, Bono even imitates some of Elvis's clothing. He's that much of a fan. Um, they've co- He's covered several of his songs. They've done, went to Graceland um, as, as part of a tour of America. And mm. Larry Mullen actually is the bigger Elvis fan of the group of you too. Um so uh, yeah, very very big big influence and and uh, on the other hand, uh, Elvis himself covered Irish songs too. Uh, yeah, that's correct. Uh, Elvis was um, very influenced by tenors, Irish tenors. A lot of people don't know that Elvis's influences were gospel music, uh, and, he, and most of all blues music and rock and the formation of rock and roll. But Elvis really loved tenors. And during an interview in Germany, he was asked about his interests and what kind of music he liked. And Elvis said he had a keen interest in Irish tenors. Went on to record "Danny Boy," "I'll Take You Home Again," "Kathleen," and um, other songs like "Oh Solo Mio," which was transferred into "It's Now or Never." Um, and uh, yeah, hugely, hugely influenced by um, you. Obviously, gave the uh, the talk ahead of the of the screening I mentioned last week in Omniplex. I say it again, very impressive, uh, uh, great reaction to it. What did you make of the movie? Uh, I thought it was excellent, absolutely excellent movie. Um, it's forty five years now, almost since Elvis died, and there hasn't been a big proper Hollywood biopic of him. And this is the first one. Um, you had Kurt Russell do a TV movie back in seventy nine, but this is really lavish, and n- not only lavish, but it's it, trying to really get to the core of Elvis's influence, and it certainly does. Um, in the first hour, you get all that huge controversial influence that Elvis had, his challenges to conservatism, conservatism, and. And um, a segregation, all these kind of influence, and then we go in deeper into his own personal story with and his relationship with Colonel Parker, which was played by Tom Hanks, and. Excellent. And Austin Butler is absolutely terrific mm. as Elvis. A lot of people were a bit sceptical mm. when they saw him to begin with, but he really studied Elvis. He got his voice down, he got his movements down, and he, he really is a, a, um, a great actor, truly. And is it, a, is it a greatest hit show as well? All the music is there? Yeah, great selection the, of that's it? right. You have Elvis' voice play a lot of the time. Yes. And um, it, uh, some of the scenes you do have Austin actually doing some of the singing. It depends It depends on the scene, what, what, what calls for it. And uh, it was edited superbly and it's absolutely a terrific movie. Coming back to your book, not alone do you write about his connections and all involved with Elvis here in Ireland, but talk to me for a moment about the Irish artists that are involved in this book of yours. Uh, you mean the painters Yes, now? yes, yeah. yes. Well, um, the cover is painted by uh, Nuala Holloway. Um, it's beautiful. Show me the book here because sure I know you have, yeah, it, you yeah. have it which is there. Fantastic. Yeah, look at that. Isn't that fantastic? Yeah, absolutely. Beautiful oil painting. Yeah. And uh, I've other artists in it. Uh, Jackie Moore and Don Conroy, uh, whom a lot of people will know from the den back in the 80s and 90s. Now you're talking. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that rings a bell. I'm sure we're a lot of listeners today. Yeah, Portrait of Elvis. Oh, John is uh, brilliant. So many were attracted to art with him, and that he's in there as well. But what about Nula Holloway? Aren't they just beautiful? Yeah, oh, absolutely. There's some wonderful sketches inside. The reason I end up with artwork like this now is because um, when I went, to, I, the book is self published. Mm. So trying to obtain photographs of Elvis was extremely difficult for yes. me. A lot of publishers wanted me to provide my own photographs. Almost impossible. I was born six years after Elvis died. I, you know, the chances of me having my own were very unlikely. And to uh, access fo- photos as a self-publisher, it's really, mm. really um, mm. complicated stuff. So um, I ended up getting artists and uh, 
my mom <laughs> is one, Nuala Holloway. Fantastic. Uh, she's she, here with us in studio today. I just wanted to mention that. They're gorgeous. They absolutely are gorgeous. They really are. And they're so true to life uh, as well. Um, when you think of him today, like, and as you said, this is the first big screen thing that's happened, you know, since he made the movies himself. Yeah. Those ones you mentioned that were banned. Why has he laid dormant, do you think, in that sense for so long? Um, I it's a, it's a that's a interesting one because you've had everybody else have a movie made almost everybody else anyway. You two years after Johnny Cash died, there was a movie, big uh, a big screen movie, mm. and uh, we've had Freddie Mercury recently, and um, there's been one about Aretha Franklin only came out last year, and Elton even, John, Elton John, and he's still alive. Mm. You know? So yeah, yeah. it's a, it's an interesting one, but I think. Um, what you've had is there's so much opinion about Elvis and there's so many points of view that and and a lot of that came from his entourage who came out with lots of their own books and their own stories that and most of them have passed away now this is my own theory on it that yes. it took until those guys to fully come out with their stories for the full in-depth story of Elvis's life yes to be truly out there mm. for us to grab and take what we believe or don't believe from those guys and some of them we just don't know whether they were actually telling the truth were they leeches were they yes of you course. Know, some of them were some of them weren't mm. some of them were loyal some of them were grabbers you know it's yes. just it's there's no way of really knowing and i think now that all those kind of people are gone you know like sadly they've all departed that maybe um, good point. Now was the good time for, yes. for a movie. Yes. What about anecdotes in the book? You you have several. Your favourite are one or two well, that you I like would, to tell. Well, one of the interesting ones is a man not far from us down in Swords, uh, Morris Colgan. He received letters from Elvis back in 1961 at the height of his career. Um, Morris, with his wife Maureen, who sadly passed away a few years ago, um, they were living in England at the time and Maureen had a very serious health problem and uh, Morris, there were young Elvis fans at the time and they contacted uh, Elvis. They wrote, Morris wrote to Elvis, you know, just as kind of a last ditch attempt for some sort of, you know, hope and, and, and cheerfulness. And uh, Elvis wrote to them, wrote a letter to Morris and he wrote a letter to Maureen. And uh, Morris still cherishes those letters today. And it was absolutely fantastic. Elvis took time out of his busy schedule to write and wrote letters of uh, well wishes to uh, Maureen at the time. Personally and written to them. Yeah. yeah. They so. are valuable. Uh, oh, I absolutely. Take it at this yeah. Not to be parted with because they're of such en enormous value, I'm sure, to the people. Anything else that you you know that when you, when you were working on this that you love to talk about? Um, well, I love the doll notes, even beyond the, the uh, Rockdust notes, is okay. where they were controversial. Um, uh, talking about like Elvis's revenue, they actually brought up Elvis in the mid '60s complaining about his uh, his income, which was unusual. Why in Doll Aaron? In Doll Aaron, yes, they brought up that Elvis was making more money than JFK at the time. He was making more money than the Prime Minister of England, and why people were spending all their money to for the gyrations of Elvis rather than the wisdom of all these world leaders. <laughs> <laughs> which was yeah brought up in a, in during discussions in the doll, so um, I find that oh, quite amusing. You know that, that stuff like that would be cropping up there. Wasn't it just so ridiculous? But yeah. you know yeah. they had to, I suppose, uh, try and nail him. I know, <laughs> trying to yeah. with, with something or discredit him yeah, in true. so in some way. <laughs> but you know he's known as the king, and mm, rightly absolutely. so because you know we talk about the Beatles in the context of you know rock and roll and popular music. This man, he, he came from before That's and right. moved and, into the... Oh, yeah. Um, well, 
in the 50s, you know, um, doing blues music was hugely controversial. Yes. Um, you know, people, uh, they accuse him of appropriation, but he grew up with blues music. Elvis grew up right in the center of it all. Like, it was like oxygen to him, you know, yeah. the, the, the blues music. It wasn't like it was on another neighborhood. It was his neighborhood. He he, he was raised right in the middle of blues music. And uh, he brought, he carried that forward and, mm. and brought it. He had the privilege of being white to bring that um, music to a mass audience mm. that unfortunately at the time, black audi- uh, singers weren't getting at the time. And Elvis brought it forward yes. for everybody to hear. And... Um, we're all the better for it. When you think of the segregation and everything that went on and the strife and, my God almighty, at the time, and he had mm. to ne- ne- negotiate that, navigate it as well. Mm. I love this book. Mm. Elvis and Ireland, Ivor Casey. Where is it available? It's available on Amazon at the moment. Um, I'm always trying to get it into bookshops. Self-published, it's always a difficult uh, struggle. Uh, there's a bookshop in Carrasavine, of all places, down in Kerry. Quirks News Agents, who are stocking it at the moment. So if anybody's on the ring of Kerry, they can get a, they can stop into Carrasavine and get it there at Quirks. Um, but yeah, I'm always on the outlook for somewhere else that will uh, stock mm. it. And uh, yeah, I, I have to say, you've made a magnificent job of the book it, it, you really have thank you a, as a self-published author you really have and I again the cover just speaks for itself the illustrations within the stories etc folks Elvis and Ireland by Ivor Casey the music's flying high this book is about his context context Elvis in Ireland well worth getting and reading thank you for dropping into us today to have a chat on the show and we finish up with the man himself yes it's Mr Elvis Presley and Jailhouse Rock thank you Ivor thank you Jerry Thank you for your comments. Keep them coming to me. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Jerry, I can vouch for that book. It's a brilliant book about Elvis in Ireland. I got a copy myself. Well worth getting and reading, says a listener. Thank you indeed. Uh, we love to hear that from you. In late lunch land, we're watching the tennis the weekend. Wimbledon is in full flight. And I love the tennis. And I've been over to Wimbledon a few years back. I'd love to go back again sometime. Did you see the match between Kyrgios and Tsitsipas, uh, the Greek uh, player. Oh, my word, on Saturday evening. I never saw anything like it at Wimbledon for aggression on the, the part of... Well, it was started by Kyrgios, of course. He always starts it. The other flag got involved, lost his head, struck balls into the crowd, up towards the box. The other, the Aussie never stopped mounting to the referee. It was so untypical, Wimbledon. The pair of them were fine. Kyrgios is through. No doubt he's a talented tennis player. But what a man to get under your skin. But i just loving the Wimbledon. The 100 years yesterday, marking 100 years of the tournament with all the former champions. Bjorn Borg there. Oh, my, oh, my. Honest to God, Chris Everett and the rest. So wonderful to see it. And great memories indeed looking at the stars of yesteryear. Coming up on Late Lunch, after two on the show, it's Independence Day in the States and he's the voice of America on Late Lunch. John Shanahan is joining us. But I want to wish a very special man 
uh, congratulations today because he's 60 years with Aircom today. He's a lineman in the North Loud area, Cooley especially. It's his birthday today too. Phelan Rice, you are one of the best. He's 60 today. Sorry, did I say he was 60 years with Aircom? <laughs> That's some pension, isn't it? Feel him, you're getting a pension and a half. Apologies, my man. He's 60 today, works with Aircom and North Loud. He's a great guy. Feel him, Rice. Happy birthday. Here's Mr Elton John and Dua Lipa, fresh from his big gig in Cork the other night, where it got very emotional when he waved goodbye for the final time. Feel him, Rice. 60 today. Happy birthday, young man. On July 4th, 1776, 246 years ago, the 13 American colonies severed their political connections from Great Britain. No doubt there have been challenging times since for the USA, in particular the Civil War, which broke out in 1860. Yet the United States has survived and held. But today in 2022... Its unity is under greater threat than ever, as ne'er the twain shall meet between Republicans and Democrats. My guest, well, he's familiar to you if you listen to Late Lunch. He's one of our go-to US citizens, and he's a patriotic Irish-American. Happy 4th of July, John Shanahan. Well, hello, Jerry. Uh, Happy 4th of July to you. Uh, Thank you very much for that great introduction. Your American history is on. Well, John, I can tell you, we, of course, we're close to it because uh, America is huge to us here in Ireland and, and vice versa. But, John, here's the thing. I'm reading the uh, press over the weekend here at home and there is a huge worry. There's no doubt there's a huge worry elsewhere in the world. And I'm sure in the States, will this United States hold? Because we're looking at implosion on a, a range of issues. Can you give us any hope today, John? Well, Jerry, I'm certainly going to try. Um, I'm very much aware, as you very correctly said, that uh, the vision in the United States has has really never been quite the same as it is today. Um, uh, And that division, of course, has been largely caused um, by uh, the work of Donald Trump, who who is... Cause great division within uh, within the country. I mean, we the uh, uh, when the Brits took, the Brits burned down the, the White House in uh, 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 after uh, in the, at the beginning of the War of eighteen twelve. Um, we've never had anything quite like this attempt at overturning our government on January the sixth of twenty twenty one. But to, but to give you but to give you and your listeners a bit of hope. Um, we have, a, I think, a very strong core of people in the United States who believe in the Constitution, uh, believe in the purposes of the Republic, believe in what it stands for. And, uh, Jerry, I think that uh, we'll survive this. It's a hard time. Yeah, these are hard times. Um, people are not listening to one another very well. Uh, civil discourse is very much at risk. Uh, but I think, well, I think we're going to make it. When you look at the range of issues and, you know, it's probably proper just to mention them at the moment. You have the whole issue of race. It breaks down on on one side or the other. Uh, Not so much as the other issues. Guns, for sure. This thing about rigged elections still rolling on there. What happened recently in uh, the Supreme Court as regards the carrying of guns and then the abortion rights issue and 
truth and lies. It's all lost in this maelstrom. God, John, there's an awful lot there, isn't there? There is an awful lot there. Um, and I'll touch on you, 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 Ireland's given us instruction in the United States in several areas. Let's take the abortion issue. Uh, the story of Sabina Halpinavar, uh, that you'll recall and your listeners will recall, um, a few years back, prior to the passage of legislation authorizing uh, abortions and making them legal in Ireland, is, uh, is one that I've told my American friends uh, who who looked for direction on this, mm. uh, the, the death of a woman and her child uh, that was needless and could have been prevented if uh, the uh, if the doctors at the uh, uh, NUI Galway Hospital had been authorized to perform the abortion, and, and they were not. Um, so that's one of what would be many instances uh, where uh, the uh, where medical necessity really dictates. Um, uh, the abortion procedure, as distasteful as it is to a man of my own faith and many of your many of the listeners, uh, it is reality, and it's a procedure that uh, must be used from time to time to save the life of the mother and the child. Um, the uh, uh, guns, the gun situation is, cr- is crazy. Um, we've, uh, we've 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 completely lost the run of ourselves uh, with the gun situation. Uh, all of these weapons, these weapons that uh, uh, weapons of war that are being carried around and used by um, um, people who are just completely out of control. Uh, Ireland has a Ireland has proper gun laws, um, and uh, we would do well to to adopt the kind of gun legislation in the United States that Ireland has. Uh, that might chafe some of my, some of my fellow Americans, but the reality is too many people are dying. Um, and so uh, those are a couple of points. Race, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's really very simple. We go to Mass on Sunday, and the priest says we, you know, we love one another, and then uh, we turn around to people of different colors and races and cultures and, um, you know, don't do that. And so we've got to do better, Jerry, and uh, I hope that uh, that over time we will. That, yeah, that, and, that, and, that, and you know, John, John, it's only when you talk about, you know, the issues you have there that we have to sit back in Ireland and think, you know, we, we criticise a lot in this country, but we've got a lot of things right as well, and it's nice of you to, uh, to point to those. Now, the second coming of Trump, John, is this going to happen, or is this committee that's sitting, you know, and being told the horrors of uh, what happened on the 6th of January back then, has that teeth? Can anything happen? Oh, I think that's that's going to have a tremendous impact uh, on finally bringing America to its senses. Um, and I salute uh, the two Republican members of that committee who defied the the, uh, the leadership of the party um, and uh, have, have have done the right thing in terms of standing up for the truth rather than uh, the fiction that Mr. Trump has brought us. Um, the the word now in the United States is that there's a number of new witnesses that are coming forward. Uh, on foot of the young lady whose testimony was and it was heard in the last hearing uh, that they want now to bring their stories forward, I think we're going to have some absolutely bombshell testimony in the coming weeks, um, and I think that overall that's going to be the end of any effort by uh, Mr. Trump. I'm hopeful, and I, I say this with a great deal of with hope, 
that the United States Attorney General, who has been charged by the president with doing what he has to do to bring uh, to bring justice in this matter, will start to charge Donald Trump and others with criminal conduct, because that's exactly what this is. I think, John, as well, and I've been reading this, too, that a lot of people are calling for Joe Biden and the Democrats to once and all, uh, once and for all stand up. And that's one of the issues being raised. The filibuster is the other and the Supreme Court nominations for life. What do you say about those? Well, we, we uh, Biden and many others would like to see uh, changes in the Supreme Court's composition. Uh, and very frankly, I think that we need to add, given given the fact that that we have ranked partisan politics now uh, stinking the court, and I don't know any any other way to put it, stinking the court. Um, it is time, in order to restore confidence in the court, it's time to expand the membership of the court by 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 perhaps four new members. Um, we've done it in the past in the United States uh, to enlarge the court. We're not going to change the lifetime tenure of the justices, but we can expand the court if we win a majority of votes in the Senate to do so. Um, so it makes the elections this coming November very, very critical, because if we elect a majority uh, of the uh, Democrats in the Senate, then I think the next thing that is going to happen is that we're going to see an expansion of the Supreme Court, and that nullifies the, the bloody awful political stench that's coming from the, uh, the, uh, the Supreme Court. And the filibuster, John, would you explain that? Our view of a filibuster is when somebody stands on their feet in a parliament and talks for hours to slow up or block legislation. It's slightly different connotation, has it, in the States? It does, and um, there have... Uh, Biden has been, has been has waffled a bit on that. Mm. Uh, he's finally come to come to the conclusion that uh, uh, that supporting the removal of the filibuster rule in the Senate would be a good thing, and uh, I, I believe it is as well. Um, I hope that uh, the Senate is able to again after the election and when we have the votes to do it that we have we see the filibuster rule removed uh, so that people can no longer talk important legislation to death. Okay, so it is the same thing, but uh, it, it, it's taken to its extreme for sure uh, uh, on your yeah. side of the, of the pond. Um, look, we 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 we've we've talked negatively really uh, for the last while. To finish up today, it is the fourth of July. There are celebrations going on right across the United. States and people are very proud of this celebration. Well, that we are. Uh, I look forward to it. I, we've got a celebration planned among a group of uh, friends and family here in the in the states today, uh, and uh, we all look forward to it. It's a it's a midsummer holiday. It's a it's a very important holiday, and it's one to remind us that uh, liberty and justice for all are not just words on a piece of paper, but they're the concepts uh, that are important to us. And, uh, you know, Jerry, to, to end on a positive note, indeed, it's very much my hope that as time is moving along quickly now, that the Irish will be able to see unification and be able to to, to endorse the same uh, same notion of liberty and justice for all throughout the island of Ireland. John, it's great to talk to you as always. Happy 4th of July. You're always available to us and we do appreciate it. And thank you for joining us again. My pleasure, Jerry. Happy 4th of July to all. And goodbye now.
Thanks, John. That's uh, John Shanahan there, Irish-American, proud Irish-American, speaking to me from Houston in Texas. He's over and back all the time. Uh, he spends time here in the Northeast, was quite a bit uh, through the year. Also, late lunch LMFM radio coming up next. We're heading to Omid to mark a very special 70th birthday. At the crossroads in Omid, there stands a legendary shop. Yes, Mulligan's Corner House opened its doors on the 4th of July, 1952. And it trades away today, 70 years on. And there are big celebrations going on down there. I'm going to hear about now from Francis Mulligan. Hello, Francis. How are you doing, Jerry? Well, happy birthday to you, first off. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. We're quite excited. (laughs) I know, I can... Quite excited. It's a strange thing to be celebrating um, the shop's birthday. Yes, but (laughs) isn't it wonderful? Take us back. Was it Paddy opened the the store initially, yes? Um, My my father and mother, um, I suppose Daddy maybe was the the main mover um, in... uh, bought a greenfield site in 1951 and in 52 he he opened um the shop as, as you see it today and it, it, it's 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 terribly similar very similar um, we, we have um there's nothing much changed in the facade of it and um inside we have managed to keep it um sort of sort of old world worldy but uh, still um, a viable concern. Mm. Uh, we, we still have cases. We still serve behind the counter. Um, we have nothing. Um, we have tills that are from decimalisation and, and they still work. <laughs> and, uh, I love it. <laughs> uh, so that's basically it. Some people asked um, of the secret of, of the thing of, uh, of being here so long and... Um, well, number one is family. Yeah. And um, there are, um, there were 14 of us. Uh, we lost two brothers, one in 18 and one in 19. Mm. Uh, both, um, everybody in this house uh, contributed to the shop. Yes. And uh, pulled very well together. Mm. Oh my God, so you, you, look at the crew you had that that you could call on. And today, does yourself, Francis, Pauline and Patrick, is it involved? Uh, there's, 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 tr- there's three of us still in the village and um, we, we managed to run. The business has changed a lot from the time of buses and um, the boats. The boats were a big thing between here and Warren Point. Yeah. Um, a little while ago, I had the uh, the last uh, boat boatman in to visit us, and um, there, there's no longer a little boat going across. Mm. And it was another thing that went. Yes. Um, Hopefully, you'll have a bridge soon. Anyway, that's right. Ah, listen, listen, come here. I used to say, you know, you'll never see the bridge in my lifetime, and uh, we hear plenty about it. Yes. But seeing is believing. I know. I know. Here yet. But you know what I want to say to you? A couple of things. People love you. And you know why they love you? Because times have changed and change every day now. Things change rapidly. But you were a constant who's remained the same. And you know what? I love your slogan. Having your slogan there, if you can't see it, ask and we should have it. it, it, it isn't that your motto? Yeah, it is. It is. And... Um uh, no matter where I go shopping, I mean, uh, I, I I really believe in it myself mm. because just because you can't see it doesn't mean you haven't got it. Yes. 
Yes. And uh, this nonsense of walking into a shop, looking round, and you think you can find it, is nonsense. <laughs> I mean, if you want something, why don't you ask? Uh, that's uh, that's what, the, what we're there for. That's it. You know? That's it. Now, look, th- th- just to explain to listeners who mightn't be familiar with you, and there are very few aren't because you're such a landmark there. You sell souvenirs, toys, sweets. Tell me about the legendary ice cream. What's the secret? Oh, the legendary ice cream is that... Um, we bought a new machine lately, but not new, new. Mm. Not, nothing much in this place is new, new. <laughs> and, uh, um, but um, it, it doesn't, it's not an air machine, so you're getting solid ice cream. Mm. And it's um, a creamy ice cream, an Angelito mix, and uh, we've always used it, and people come back all the time. Today, it's on a special offer and a lot of people are getting it for nothing. Oh, <laughs> good, Donnie. You're so, so it's kind. Part of, it's part of our promotion today. Ah, well done to you. What yeah. about the, where you are there? You mentioned the boat going across the lock, right? Yeah, it, but, was, like an, it was like an open boat like for yeah. all my lifetime. Yes. And um, held about 50 people and it's in all the pictures. Mm. Anybody looks up um, pictures of Omis and then they brought in with rules and regulations, um, they, they, they weren't allowed to have that type of boat and they yeah. had to put a little, like a sort of a little cabin, a cabin yes. boat. Yes, But uh, they were restricted very much in numbers and mm. it just wasn't viable. Yeah, no, that, that's that's the way of the world. What about July 12th? Where, wasn't it huge there? Or is it still huge, Fee, on the 12th uh, of July? It's not as huge as it was. A lot of people still... Um, take their holidays around that time and they come come this way. We have a wonderful caravan site and uh, run by a family called Maguire and uh, there's uh, it would be packed from um, around this time of the year. Some people use it all during the year. Mm. But when you think of 70 years and all that's come and gone and what's changed, does anyone stick in your mind that called into the shop? Had you any very famous people who came in to say hello to you? Does anyone like that come to mind to you today? Well, we, 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 ha- we had famous, famous people. Um, we had um, Dolly Parton. She was on um, holiday with... Um, uh, a man called McQuillan. Um, he 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 came to retire here. Yes. Uh, he was big into country music, and uh, Dolly was one of our customers. Um, oh, there's loads more. Dana. Um, we had Cardinal Daly. Um, of course, we had your own. Um, well, maybe not your own Ryan Tuberty. Was uh, down with you, was he? he uh, Ryan Ryan Tuberty. Uh, he came down to do uh, a program locally, and he'd heard about yes. the ice cream, so we called in. Good man. And um, yeah, oh, um, Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton yeah. tops it all for me now that you mention her. I have to say yes, that yes. she called. It's, it's a very tight knit family, yeah. and uh, it's uh, everybody worked. Everybody. Um, Everybody had to do their bit. Um, we got paid when there was money, and when there was no money, we worked for nothing. Mm. And um, that was it. Everybody had to work. You did your own job, maybe, and you still came back. Weekends was a big thing, of course. Yes. Uh, Sunday and, and Saturday. That has evened off a little bit more um, mm. with car traffic as against bus traffic. Yeah. And uh, you, you know what I'm going to have to do? I'm just thinking here. 
I'm going to have to taste that ice cream now. There's no, no, no there. But I'm going to have to go down and oh, taste this. Yeah, I will. I will. And I'm going to taste it because I love the owl 99s and the cones and the whipped oh, ice. Right. I have to say. But well, look, if you if you do if you do find yourself in this area, you're you're most welcome to come you. in and introduce yourself. I will. Oh, listen, Francis. <laughs> you'll know who I am. That's for sure. I'll I'll let you know. That's what that's one thing for certain. But okay. look at when 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 you reflect today, it's a one. Wonderful, wonderful achievement, isn't it? Seventy years. Yeah, we we had we had loads of family help, like in in the the, the big years way back, mm. where cousins, uncles, aunts, everything like that's how people pulled together. That's yes. how, how they worked. And uh, but then uh, we, we we did employ um, people in the summertime locally. We employed them from all around this hinterland and particularly Newry, that was a, a, a big area for us to employ people. And um, well, what, uh, naturally he, we would have had a few local people yes. um, just for a few weeks. Yeah, of course. of course. Oh, no, look at it. Uh, no. So many people benefited from the shop there for sure. So here's to the next 70 years. <laughs> well, listen, we won't... Well, I certainly won't be worrying about that. I don't think any of us here will be worrying about that. We have another one when customers come in and they haven't been here for 40 years and you have a look at them, you know, and you say, well, there's no chance of you coming back. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what? You're practical and honest and that's the reality for all of us. It's a simple reality. Our customers, our our family and our customers are what make the place. Mm. Well, look, it's a wonderful milestone, so it is. And I know you're getting lots of callers today. People are dropping oh, we in. Have. We've had loads of people and we have the cup of tea. Yeah, oh, there you go. As um cup of tea on the go. And uh, it's a real socialising day now. Yeah. Well, listen, you're great. No, not at all. Thank you for talking to me today, and it's great. And good wishes to everybody there, all of the Mulligans. Please do. Thanks, Francis. God bless. Take care of yourself. Bye bye. -bye. Thank you, Tina, who says, uh, Jerry, if you do one thing, follow through on that promise. Head for Mulligans and taste that 99. It's absolutely outstanding. My favourite of all time. Thanks indeed uh, for that lovely message. Message. I see Adele played Hyde Park at the weekend in London and everything was wax. Everyone was waxing lyrical uh, about her performance. I just said uh, I was delighted she showed up for the gig. Yep, she's got some stick over the Vegas cancellation and it's not the first time she's cancelled. She was all emotional about it as well. But my God, if you're somebody who has tickets and there are gigs cancelled at the last minute, well, it does irk you a little bit and that is understandable. Yes, she was brilliant the weekend, is right. Anyway, I'm uh, sure she'll be there when she commits to gigs from here on in. Now, moving on on Late Lunch, and I'm joined by one of our regulars on the show. I'm delighted to say hello again to work behaviourist Fiona Buckley. Hello, Fiona. Hi, good afternoon, Jerry. How are you? I'm good. Thanks very much for joining me again on the show. Okay, let's throw the ball in straight away because you're going to talk today about people and the energy they need to work and do their jobs, etc. Why is it important to protect uh, our energy in the workplace? Um, Our energy actually is one of the biggest things I hear about in one-to-one coaching sessions, people getting very drained by spending the wrong time or the wrong energy on, on the wrong people, let's say it, or the wrong tasks. So from a productivity perspective, minding our energy is so key at the moment. 
Plus, our working arrangements are still a bit up in the air in many cases. So we still could be exclusively at home. We could be in that hybrid type of arrangement or we're fully back in the office. Now, that can play absolute havoc with our energy because one day we're at home, the next day we're fully surrounded with people and it's all very different. So energy at the moment is where the kind of focus is at. And one of the things I often say to people is actually make a list of the things that give you energy. So it could be things like having really good progressive discussions with work colleagues. It could be doing that daily yoga at seven o'clock in the morning, setting your intentions for the day, whatever it is. But make a list of the things that you feel gives you energy in the workplace. And then equally, make a list of the things that drain you. Um, and they could, again, be too many meetings. It could be too, too many of those kind of like um, MS Teams and Zoom type of meetings. It could be kind of toxic work colleagues, whatever it is. It's making a list of things that actually drain you as well. And then when you look at a week, ask yourself how many of those energizers are actually happening and how many of those drainers are happening. So you can then put some efforts into making a list or actions around helping yourself in that regard. I love that. Trainers and energizers, the two ends of uh, uh, the spectrum. That's an interesting one, isn't it? Uh, about getting energy from people and bouncing off people. That's something that may have been missing uh, and continues to be missing for a lot of people. It's a, it's a very important dynamic, isn't it, Fiona? A hundred percent. And more of those kind of extroverted, outgoing, bouncy people, as I say, like I am, <laughs> Jerry. Also, <laughs> we, we get energy from people. We need mm. to be around people. But if we're around people all day, we can get very drained. And then when we come home um, to kind of our, our home environment, then we do need to replenish those stocks. So I think as we kind of go into more of that hybrid or even back to work fully into the office five days a week, it's important that we set those boundaries of people at home as well. So if you've had a day full of meetings in person with people and you're going home, you might just have to say a word to people at home, say, look, I actually need a half an hour to myself or go for a walk to clear the head. People actually really need that. If you're more extroverted, as I said, you get your energy from people so you can, you can have that a little bit more around you every day. If you're more quieter and more of that kind of introvert personality, your energy will deplete very quickly when you're around people. And that's why introverts loved working from home because they had that quiet space. So I think your personality is very important when you are in the workplace. How to kind of really, de- you know, deplete your energy, how to replenish your energy very, very key with the personality side of things as well. And I've mentioned on the show before um, that many of us are what we call ambiverts, so we're a bit of both. So our, our mood can shift from day to day. So if you're in the office one day and you've loads of meetings and then you're working from home the next day, that's a lovely way to recharge. Now, wasted energy or energy misdirected. Talk to me about that for a moment, because there are a lot of people, and, and there's no doubt about it, using their time effectively is a challenge. It is. And, you know, often we, we have a problem with saying no. That's the biggest thing I yes. hear a lot in, in kind of the coaching that I do is we say yes to things that we really don't want to be mm. doing or don't serve us. Now, we obviously can't say no to certain people. I totally get that. But, we, we, you know, I think it can be a cultural thing in Irish um, in, in Ireland as well, Jerry, is that we often just don't say no enough. And then we find things are in our diary that we had no idea that we wanted to commit to. And when we say no, it tends to stir up feelings of guilt or embarrassment or fear. So we just say yes, because it's easier, isn't it? Mm. And that's what happens is we say yes to these things and then we later resent them. So I think saying yes to certain tasks or to certain people is probably the biggest energy drainer that's out there. So anything that comes our way, we always have to ask ourselves, is this task something that I need to do right now? 
And there's often a thing where you can say to yourself, do it, defer it, delegate it or drop it before these. Mm. And that can be really useful when something comes into your kind of inbox in terms of a task or a meeting or a thing that you must do. What does the term toxic positivity refer to? It's been bandied about a lot lately. Yeah, toxic positivity is an interesting one. and It seems to have gotten a little bit of weight over the COVID period because toxic positivity is, is basically all about being super positive all of the time. And those people that are quite optimistic can often fall into this category. Now, don't get me wrong, being optimistic is wonderful. But toxic positivity is an obsession with positive thinking. And it's the belief that people should put a positive spin on every single experience. However, this isn't true all the time. We need to feel all feelings, and that's where they exist. And I've said before, you know, there's 30 feelings we can experience in any given day. And if we have had a very challenging meeting, it's important that we feel that rather than being super positive all the time. So if you've got a work colleague that's always positive all of the time, it can actually be quite, uh, end up being a negative experience for you. Now, equally, you can have someone who's the opposite, Jerry, as well, who can drain the living daylight by yes. And they're completely negative, And that's what you call a toxic work colleague. So they're quite different ends of the spectrum. But COVID was a prime example. I mean, you know, some of us were uber positive the whole way through the experience. But that's not natural. That's not human. We've all had bad days and off days during this whole two, two and a half years. So I think it's key to remember that as well. So toxic positivity, it, there's good elements of it, but we can't be positive all of the time. We need to feel those feelings or the full spectrum of them. What about, you know, beyond the working day, into the weekends and that as well? You're talking about energy and, you know, certain jobs require you to be on the ball all the, t- all the time. This one that I do is you, you really don't switch off. You know, on holidays, uh, say a week off or two weeks, yes, of course. But all the other time you, you do, and, and many jobs are like this as well, that you've got to be, you know what I mean, on the ball for things and, and uh, retaining that energy. But you do need time off. How do you manage that? And it's such a timely comment, Jerry, because a lot of people are going on holidays or have gone on holidays. And even, again, I hear this a lot in the one-to-one coaching side of things is, I, I ask them, are you going to check your emails when you're away? Are you going to bring your laptop away? And unfortunately, the answer in most cases is yes. So it's about setting those kind of boundaries for yourself, either when you're on holidays or just the weekends or evenings. But setting that limit to say, okay, after six o'clock, I'm not going to check emails. It sounds so basic, but the amount of people that aren't doing that, that are always connected, always on, it sucks the energy. Even one email at nine o'clock or even like at half ten before you go to bed can really disturb your energy and can kind of bring a lot of emotions in play as you're going to to bed and things like that. So setting limits about what time you stop checking emails, setting focus time as well during the day so to prevent you having to check those emails in the evening but taking complete control of this because nobody is going to keep asking to check emails in the evening. It's often down to the individual and bad habits. And we can have an addiction to checking emails and things like that. And that is a massive, as I call, energy drain from ourselves. So it's really important that everyone sets those limits. If you find it hard and you, and you keep checking emails every evening, I would say start soon and start small. Maybe pick a Monday and a Tuesday or two days a week where you don't check emails after you're finished like six o'clock or something. So start a little bit, is what I'd say, rather than trying to tackle the whole thing. 
when you talk about, you know, spending time online as well, you know, related and a lot, a lot of, you know, people have to, you know, because online is related to their businesses and that as well. And just last week we were talking here to our IT guy, Declan Bailey, myself and Louise. And when we checked our screen time, well, especially for ourselves, yeah. we nearly fell off the chair. <laughs> yeah, I know I'm guilty of that myself as well. And I think that's really important. The likes of social media, Instagram, Twitter, all of those things. Again, what we're starting to do is a lot of comparisons, especially on, on the likes of Instagram and Facebook. We, we're seeing or oh, we're comparing ourselves against somebody else. Again, that could take about 60 minutes of energy after you've logged off because you're thinking about these things. We have 85,000 posts per day. 90% of them are recycled from one day to another. So if we're looking up these things on, on, on social media all the time, we're constantly comparing and analysing our lives and really chastising ourselves for things we haven't done or things we must do. Again, that plays a, a lot on our energy and how we dispel that energy. So I think it's not just work. It's, it's all of those kind of tech outlets that we need to be monitoring. And I think it's really good that you can actually get a percentage on your screen time because then you can quantify it. Mm. So they drain as well, you know, on the periphery of work and uh, commitments to work, etc. And we need to be cognizant of those. From a manager's point of view or a colleague's point of view, what are the real signs that somebody's, you know, low on energy? What, what, what jumps out at you? So what I often say is when people are low on energy, they operate outside of their normal baseline. So, for example, if someone's very energetic by nature, full of conversation, always contributing to meetings, meets their deadlines and everything is fine. When they operate outside that baseline, you can often, one of the factors can often be that it's low energy. Of course, it will be a whole range of things, but one of them can be that it's low energy. You'll also tend to notice by people's demeanour that they're depleted from, from, from that perspective. So I often think it's more the characteristics, the behaviour that people end up giving or, you know, and it's harder when you're online as well, Jerry. If you're physically in the office, you can see that. But when you're online, people will often hide and the concept we call of masking. So it's like they're wearing a mask. They're not telling you how depleted they actually are. And if they're actually saying, oh, I'm feeling burnt out or I'm really tired, it's already gone too far. That's what I say. So when people start saying it, it's gone too far. It's when they're not saying it, that's those early signs of energy burnout that we need to be very, very mindful of. So a lot of it comes down to the individual being accountable for this. But of course, managers and organisations have a stake in this too to make sure they're looking after their employees from a corporate wellness approach too. Boundaries is the word to keep in mind, isn't it, from all aspects? That's exactly what it's at. It's setting boundaries in work, it's setting boundaries at home. And I remember back in March 2020 when COVID first hit, um, there was a lot of people talking about setting those boundaries in the home environment. I think we need to kind of put some of those back in play as well because I'm literally having people think that they're lying down in a dark room when they go home um, after a day in the office because they're, they're on complete sensory overload. So it's about making sure that the boundaries are there in the office, the boundaries are there at home. And they're very personable. They're very, um, you know, around one particular person. There's no one size fits all here. But you know when your boundaries have been crossed. You know when something doesn't fit right. And often it's your gut instinct telling you that something's not right. And that's what I would say is always tune into that because that's, that's very, very rarely wrong. The gut is the thing for sure. Listen, uh, great as usual. Thank you for talking to me. We'll see you next month and we'll have another topic to dissect. 
Thanks, Jerry. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. That's Fiona Buckley there. FionaBuckley.com. She's a work behaviourist, works in the area with many big companies and all sizes of companies as well and employees. And we're always grateful to chat to her on the show. Late Lunch LMFM Radio. We have a young chef making a way in the world of seafood coming up on Late Lunch After 3. And my artist of the week, your lover as well. She's back in the news big time. But I'll be back in a moment after this short break. Happy 4th of July, Jerry. Thank you, Nigel. Yes, it's our good friend Nigel McKenna in New York City. Would you give a big shout out to my wife, Claudia, who started preparing food last night and is up early again this morning. We're having 30 plus guests over for an all-American barbecue. Nigel, you are spoiled for sure. Wouldn't I love to be at that barbecue? Yes, happy 4th of July to all our friends from the United States living in Ireland and all over the world. It's a very special day indeed. Now it's a special day as well for Kiva and Ema Byrne because Kiva and Ema were born on the 4th of July. Yes, they were. They're from Marit Loon in Carrick Macross. And today, folks, it's a huge day for them. They're celebrating their 21st birthday. Happy birthday, ladies, and have a wonderful day from Bridget, Michael, Michelle, Carl, and all of your family. Just for you, it's Mr. Styles himself. Tastes like strawberries on a summer evening And it sounds just like a song I want more berries and that summer feeling. It's so wonderful and warm. Breathe me in, breathe me out. I don't know if I could ever go down. I'm just thinking out loud. I don't. Marie's been on to me and she says, Hi Jerry, can anyone tell us are the boulders that are now preventing people from driving onto the grass at Port Beach, are they there to stay, Jerry? I take my elderly relative for over 20 years now there every summer and they just sit in the car watching the world go by, people out swimming, children splashing about in the sea, but the boulders are there now and we could only park along the road and they can't see the shoreline. And there's no room to park at the toilets either. It's full of cars, says Marie. Can anyone help us on that? Are those boulders there for good at Port Beach? I'm sure it's the the local authority that's involved there. Perhaps there's an issue with people, a few people spoiling it for everybody. If you can help us, our answer, Marie, there. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Let me know. I'll follow up on that as well for you, Marie. And I'll give you a shout back on that one as well. It's an interesting one you raised because we had the same issue. Well, Betty Stone Beach, you can't drive onto the beach now. You know the story out there. But things seem to have worked their way well out in Betty Stone direction at this stage. But there's another issue now uh, in uh, Port, around Port. It's beautiful around there so it is and I can understand people just go and look and enjoy and now they can't and I understand why there's an issue with that hasn't happened since 2018 but it's back this year what am I talking about the big dual racing day at Dundalk Stadium 12th of July horse racing the dogs as well and it's ladies day so no excuse 
get the glad rags on and get down there. Anyway, I have a nice prize each day to give away. An admission for four people, four people each day. That's you and three others. Uh, race card, food stall voucher and a soft drink included. And all five winners uh, Monday to Friday on late lunch. Go in the hat on Friday for an upgrade to a VIP meal for four at the View restaurant and more besides. The question today was Droopy's Verb holds the 550-yard track record at Dundalk Stadium set, ironically, on the 12th of July 2016. Was it 29.39 seconds, 30.39 seconds or 31.39 seconds? It was the first one. 29.39 is the record for 550 yards at Dundalk and Droopy still holds it since 2016. Well done, Sean Byrne. Uh, Those tickets are yours today, but I'll have more to give away, as I mentioned, tomorrow through to Friday. Now it's uh, birthdays all round today. Anne Finnegan, happy birthday to you. I see it's your birthday today. Geraldine Boylan celebrating as well today. Got a lot of people born on a very historic day, the 4th of July. Well, my artist of the week wasn't, but she was born in July. I do know that. Catherine Bush, a.k.a. Kate Bush, was born on July 30th, 1958 in Kent. Her dad, Robert, was a GP and her mother, Hannah Nee Daly, there's the clue, an Irish nurse from Wexford. That she was so brilliantly artistically was no surprise, given her mother was an accomplished Irish dancer and her dad a wonderful amateur pianist. She taught herself the piano, studied violin, and began composing music in her early teens. When 16, just 16 years of age, a demo tape she'd made of her compositions found its way to Pink Floyd guitarist Dave Gilmore, who put the wheels in motion, which saw EMI Records sign her up. Her debut album was called The Kick Inside, and it was released in 1978 when she was just 19. And it featured songs, yes, that she wrote six years earlier when she was only 13. Amazing indeed. Its lead single, Wuthering Heights, was an international hit and she became the first woman to reach number one on the UK charts with a self-written song. She also entered the Guinness Book of Records as the first female to write every track on a million-selling album. Now I'm jumping ahead today, my week of Kate Bush, to 1980, but a song that I absolutely love. I have to say I love it. One of my favourite Kate Bush songs. And it didn't chart as high as some of the others, to be honest with you. There's just something that has a ring to it. And, of course, the story behind it, it's about a wife's desire to test her husband's loyalty. And she writes him a letter signed Babushka. This Babushka is like herself as the wife's traits and she wants to see does he bite it'd be like having a fake social media presence today and setting a trap there you go same sort of thing from years and years ago yes Kate Bush is my artist of the week and our story will continue in words and song right about this time on late lunch tomorrow afternoon we take our final break this Monday and after the break I'm joined by a young chef from County Louth Aren't the murals just beautiful round Dundalk? They really add an awful lot to the town, I have to say. They brighten it up and they're real features and it's just great to see them. I love the one in particular uh, of the heron. You know, we love wildlife and I do on late lunch, of course. But the one of the heron is absolutely spectacular. But they're all in their own way. Such an addition 
to the uh, landscape of the town and the look of the town as well. Well done to all concerned. Brilliant, brilliant. More of them, please. Now, moving on on late lunch, Rowan Barn is one of five. One of five, what you say? Yes, she's bored Iski Warris taste the Atlantic Young Chef Ambassador for 2022 and she's on the line. Hello, Rowan. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for joining me on the show today. Well done to you. You're one of five nationally. Who nominated you? Thank you so much. Um, I was nominated by my former head chef in Brownstown Social, uh, Mikey Sweeney. Good on him. And you're in Brownstown Social for the last couple of years yourself working? Yeah, I started um, the first summer after COVID in 2020. Great stuff. And uh, you're flying along there. Yeah, loving it. I just started working away and then never meant to become a chef and it kind of happened and I got trained up. So it was a great start. Now, not meanting meaning to become a chef, I want to pick you up on that one there, but you are, are being a little coy there because isn't it true that you set up your own baking enterprise while you were at school? Yeah, so I went to Green Hills and in um, I always loved baking. I used to bake with my granny growing up. And when I was in sixth year, um, I just I was baking loads and just loving it. And I, I started my blog. It was meant to be a blog um, on Instagram, Batch from Scratch. And then I just started baking loads. And the girls in school were so, so supportive, everyone who went to Green Hills. And then on Fridays, I started doing like a little kind of a shop in the school, I guess. Um, in the classrooms, I'd sell muffins and cookies and stuff like that. And then it progressed and I started doing custom birthday cakes and things like that. So it kind of just went on from there and then turned into a business instead of a blog. So. Good on you. And that's the way you you get into something that you absolutely love. You obviously have a passion for this. And you went, of course, to, to the uh, Technical University in Dublin and studied there. Yeah, so I went there straight after school, which was great because the course, um, I remember seeing uh, one of the modules was sugar and I was like, okay, it's me, I'm going. Um, but it's a really practical co- college, so you get to do a lot of like theory plus then practical classes and like working with your hands and stuff, which is really good. Mm. Enjoyed it so much. What about Brianstown? Has that opened up your vista for, to different aspects of, of the uh, culinary game? Yeah, so when I went in, I kind of was just meant to be a part-time job just during college. I never really liked restaurants, never liked the idea of cooking. I was always really a baker and a pastry chef. And then I met my former head chef, um, Michael Sweeney, and he just had such a passion and love for what he did and the food that he was cooking and the way he ran kitchens was really important. So um, between him and my head chef now, Simon Kavanagh, they literally trained me up from the bottom and like taught me most of what I knew before I then went into culinary arts. So they just opened up a whole world of like passion for food and cooking and like hospitality. So it was unreal. Now, Rowan, be honest with me today. Yeah. There's just me and you talking here. Is it like Ramsay in the kitchen by times? <laughs> Uh, no, that's the thing I think I liked and the only reason I probably became a chef is because the way Mikey ran kitchens was just not like anything you've ever seen on telly. I mean, even in the industry, you know, there is a lot of kitchens that I've seen and, you know, you see different things and um, there's a lot of, you know, there is a crisis in the minute in hospitality, but he just ran it so, so differently to what you've seen. He was so, so kind, trained people really well. Just, we always used to say like we got so lucky and he just ran everything with kindness and mm. that's the way he taught people and it, it just matters because, you know, if you get into one bad kitchen, a lot of people tend to kind of leave the industry or, you know, and the media yes. pushes a lot of bad stuff for restaurants, so. 
Yeah, and I'm delighted to hear that. And that's the way it should be. Respect, yes, there is pressure and at times it can get heated. Of course, we understand Mm -hmm. that. It's the same in every game, but there's no need for that other type of stuff. Of course, that's just done for entertainment, I do realise. And most people should on television. Listen, for a young girl, this is big commitment, I have to say. You know, hard work, long hours. Yeah, it wasn't, we started over COVID and stuff, so there wasn't really much to do, so I never really was bothered by working the Saturday nights and stuff like that. Mm. Um, do you know, it, I'm, I'm working part-time now because of the Taste of the Atlantic stuff and stuff like that, but during college I was doing uh, four days full-time and then four days in the kitchen, so it's a hard slog and like it's quite hard in your body, but I feel like if you love what you do, it's kind of worth that a lot of the time, especially if you're working for people that do lead with kindness and like take care of their stuff. Good on you and well said and fair juice you and hard work never did anybody any harm. I want to just mention that for sure. And when you love it, as you say, a passion is something else. Now, tell us about this great honour that's been bestowed on you. Yeah, so um, a few months ago I saw, um, I got an email about kind of the nominations for this programme and my friends, my best friends and I for the last couple of summers, we've been... uh, traveling around the wide atlantic way we just when covid happened where we couldn't go abroad so we said we may as well just go down the country and one of my friends went to uh, nuig for a while so i kind of knew galway so we started there and we just went around different places la hinge dingle all the rest and then when i saw this program come up it was literally like cooking and the wide atlantic way and seafood i was like that seems a bit too like <laughs> like that's all my interests in one so i was a bit kind of gobsmacked I was like is this weird is this real and then I um, I went in and I talked to um, Mikey my former head chef and he, like, he was the exact same my passion for seafood a lot came from him um, and he then nominated me and you know I got in and it was just like it's a collaboration between essentially um, it's run by BIM and then Chef Network or and then Chef Network and Fulcher Ireland to you know grow the produce along the wide Atlantic way and promoted in chefs and producers which I just thought was really important and it's just like Bordish Gawara are so so supportive like even the fact that um, like obviously I've been travelling the wide Atlantic way and I love it and I love the food down there but being from Drada, and um, when I was speaking to people who work for BIM, they were very, very supported and interested in getting, you know, our side of the country and Laos involved yes. and, you know, local Clarehead produce and prawns, which I loved. I just think the fact that not only the day I am like a tasty Atlantic ambassador, that I can bring stuff from home into it and promote as many local producers as I can. Good on you. So you're yeah. taken to the seafood big time. Yeah, I've <laughs> always loved it. Uh, when I started cooking, it was just kind of the my favourite yeah. thing in it so it, it, it culminates at the Galway International Oyster and Seafood Festival this September this programme yeah so um, I think for the finale event we're going down to the Oyster um, Festival and we're doing loads of different things through it and different events and we were cooking with JP last month and JP McMahon yes yeah, oh <laughs> now you're talking yeah. now you're talking <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, we were cooking with uh, JP McMahon in an ear in Galway, which is Michelin. And um, the concept of an ear is actually really cool. It's all Irish produce. So everything is like grown in Ireland, from Ireland, foraged, etc. Wild food. And um, we got to cook with him for an entire day. And then we got to go to Connemara and go up to the Burn Smokehouse and 
different things like that and it's just, it's really cool because you get to do cooking but also meeting producers and like it's just really nice getting to actually meet these people because you can tell they love what they do so much and it's so important to them especially in the Burnsy uh, Smokehouse they were speaking about keeping the tradition going and they like to keep everything to kind of the core of where they started mm. and it's just like there's so much passion I feel like that radiated into all of us that the five of us were kind of coming home so inspired and so like a fire in us because yes. just the passion you know what I mean well listen just wanted to acknowledge your achievement mm. wish you well for the future and you. you're going great guns and the future well the world's your oyster sorry for the pun <laughs> but you know what I mean I wish you well Thank you so much. Thanks for joining me, Rowan. Take care Thank of yourself. Thank you very much. Have bye a bye, bye bye. That's BIM's, one of BIM's, only five Taste the Atlantic Young Chef Ambassadors from County Louth, the town of Drogheda. Rowan Byrne, isn't she great? And great to see young people getting stuck in to hard work, but there's a career, real bright career ahead for that young woman. Tomorrow on Late Lunch, Savvy Shopper, Katrina Redmond, Nikki Kyle in the Garden, Extraordinary Times, how it impacted on a small community in North Louth, two on Tuesday and more from Kate Bush. Eddie Caffrey's on the way on LMFM Radio. Stay with us. Great music and more besides. I'll see you tomorrow at half past one. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Opal, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. Discover the all-new Opal Mocha featuring Opal's iconic new signature visor, stunning Opal Pure Panel and a choice of petrol, diesel or fully electric. The new Opal Mocha is less normal, more Mocha. Visit blackstonemotors.ie. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss.
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.